0: Hello and welcome to Weekly General Meeting number 10, the big one-oh. I'm one of your hosts, Shane Langan, and here's the other one, Neil Conlon. On this week's show, powerful poetry from the incredible Alvy
1: Carragher, hilarious stand-up from the wonderful Edwin Salmon, and top five tips from the legendary Tim Wheeler.
0: This week's show is sponsored by Independence Music and Arts Festival, which is taking place in Mitchellstown, County Cork, August 1st to 3rd, featuring the likes of Public Enemy, Hosier, Tom O'Dell, Delorento's, and many, many more. Single day or three day camping tickets are available from tickets.ie. Visit independencefestival.com for more details.
1: Our first guest is a comedian we've known and admired for many years. He's currently on tour around Ireland as part of the Lads of Comedy Tour. This is the fantastic Edwin Salmon.
2: Um, hello, uh, my name's Edwin Salmon, I come from the Midlands where the depression comes from. So don't go there, don't even stop for 99s, just drive straight through. You can roll the windows down and, and you'll, you'll hear the depression on the breeze. you just hear a, oh no. We don't like living here. We're all prepubescent, by? Um, a <clears throat> lot, lot of prepubescence going on in the Midlands. I like music. Uh, some people assume I like it too much. Um, because I look like the bastard child of one of the Dubliners. I'm starring in Christopher Nolan's new trilogy, uh, Ronnie Drew Begins, (laughs) followed by Dark Ronnie and Dark Ronnie Rises. So they'll be coming out in the next couple of years. Uh, Obviously Michael Caine's probably going to play him. Um, He does everything. So I, I do like music. I do like uh, Irish music. I suppose we're most famous for tr- you know traditional Irish music. But traditional Irish music sounds to me like sort of the Tourette syndrome of world music. It's a bit sort of it's a bit crazy. You know I don't know what that is. Uh, the armpit illin pipe. Um, but it is a bit crazy, and there's always someone going yo. There's always someone shouting yo, like those guys that agree with everything that James Brown sings about. But I always think how bad a musician do you have to be to be a yower, you know, it's like triangle player, tambourine person, and then yower, you know, I mean, and even someone, even someone with no arms and legs can play the tambourine, you know, just tap it with their stumps. I do, I I do think we we like, um, I mean, we have a lot of rebel songs, we're very famous for, because of our, you know, relationship with the English because we had 800 years of oppression, which is a nice round number. Um, But much like a sort of a Malteser that's chewy that you find and you put it in your mind, you think it's a normal Malteser and you start chewing it and you kind of go, this is okay. But then halfway through you're going, I don't like this. But it keeps going for another 700 years. (laughs) That's very much how the English experience is um, because we hate them, don't we? Oh, Christ, Jesus. Don't get me started, huh? <laughs> Even though my name is Edwin Salmon and it appears my parents have picked it out of the big, big book of baby Protestant names. <laughs> I can't really complain, I do have English relations. But, I mean, we just, like, we were oppressed for so long, mainly because Irish people don't like to complain. Uh, you know, we won't complain in a restaurant if we get bad food, which is a legitimate complaint. But when they came over and took over everything, we just kind of, you know, Brendan would run up to uh, Freddie and go, just, someone's after moving into your manor there. And he'd go, I, oh, as he you now? Right, so, I'll certainly think about saying something to him. But for now, I live in this tree house for a while and look at him through a telescope. He says, he's going to my fridge. Eat that yogurt, that goes off tomorrow. Well, it's, well, it's best before tomorrow. You want to eat it before tomorrow to get the best out of that yogurt now. Well, at least he's eating it anyway, it's something. Christ, oh well, I guess I'll stay here for another 700 years. <laughs> and as a result, we can't stand the English. We hate them without exception. Apart from their football teams and their wonderful television programs and, you know, the friends we've made and imports and exports we'd be financially crippled without <laughs> the language I'm speaking right now. <laughs> Put all that to one side for the sake of this argument. And fuck them, Huh? coming over here, stealing our potatoes. Um, And they came over, and they did, didn't they? And And in the rebel songs, you'll hear what the English came. And they shaved our balls. And they put our balls outside of our pants. And they put googly eyes upon our balls. And they made us dance around, and they laughed. That's what they did. It was a boom time if you were a ball shaver. And indeed, many Turkish men did travel over on ships to shave balls. And if you're a googly-eyed salesman, you're doing pretty well. But the rest of us were pretty F-U-C-K-T-E-D. Fucked it. Which was a a phrase that became popular at the time. Bloody English, eh? But uh, (laughs) I don't mind them. They're okay. What I don't like is, when my voice breaks, what I don't like is, um, because I've already gone through three puberties and I can't take another one, it'll kill me. They're tough they really are after the second one it's like oh will this ever end how much hair do i need Um, maybe on the opposite side but anyway i don't like romantic songs because they're never they're never realistic because romance is fraught with danger and and and, you know it's all you don't know what's going to happen and it's awkward and like a lot of these kind of like love songs they're too these guys are too confident so just, you know, I'm going to lay you down, make love for the first time. Everything's going to be perfect. There's going to be no awkward fumblings or well oh, I don't like that, but you can do the other thing. You know, there's none of that. Because, no, you know, it, it doesn't magically happen like that. It's all, and I hate the expressions they use in romantic songs like, um, I love you forever and a day. What? <laughs> I, I love you for an infinite amount of time, plus an additional 24 hours on top of that. Just to be sure. If you take that literally, it basically means, I love you until you die. At the removal, I will continue to love you. But by the time the funeral has come along, I have moved on with my life and I have found a new love. Forever and a day, baby. That's me talking to my dead girlfriend. And you all laughed. Sick, sick people. And I thought I was bad with my stumpies reference. Why did I bring it up again? I don't know. And then, you know, we make love all night long. Who? Who the fuck does that? Who are these nymphomaniac insomniac people? What are they? Like porn stars trying to beat a world record or something? Who's like who does? You'd be exhausted. If you're working the next day, making love all night long. These these writers are out of touch with reality, I, I find. I think I want a more I want a realistic love song. I want to ask her out. See how it goes, you know. You know, you know, ask her out. See what it brings. Probably rejection, but maybe romantic things. You know, probably wouldn't sell very well. Um, Because I have trouble talking to women. Oh, that's weird. A male comedian who has trouble talking to women. Tell us more. I will, and I I will ignore that sarcasm. See, what I do is I always do the wrong thing that I know is the wrong thing to do, but yet I still do that despite the knowledge of it being wrong. I still cannot correct myself in doing it. Uh, a girl, I was with my friend in a club and a girl smiled at me and without thinking, because I wasn't thinking, I just went, I winked, I winked at her. And then I immediately went, what the fuck are you winking for? No, like no one wants to be winked at. You should only be winking at an animal you're thinking about buying in a mart. It's the only time that's acceptable. Sold to the man with dubious claims as to what he's going to do with this animal when he gets at home. You're coming home with me. I don't even know what you are, but you feel under my arm. You're bigger than a chicken, smaller than a sheep. That particular animal. That's what you are to me. <laughs> what? Um, um, yeah, I don't know what it is. And then I realized that she actually, horror upon horror, she wasn't actually smiling at me. She was smiling at my friend because his atoms were arranged in a much more pleasing manner. And I didn't know what to do, so I just shat myself, no. Um, <laughs> pretended I had an eye infection. Oh, that bloody eye infection. Oh, I hope women don't think I'm winking at them, because I'm certainly not doing that. i don't only do that at a mart, um, which seemed to anger her even more. And I don't see, I think sometimes ladies, uh, ooh, you, um, th- there's, there's certain things that you do to beautify yourself that we really, we really don't care about. Well, I personally don't care, like uh, fake eyelashes. I don't care. I mean, your eyelashes could be so long, you could dip them in soapy water and wash a Volkswagen Jetta with them. And I'd be mildly oppressed, but I wouldn't be that turned on, you know. And I'm never in a club going nudging my friend, going, just check out the lashes on that one. Oh, they're fake. you oh, she'll floor them over me any day of the week, huh? <laughs> Crank it up. I'm trying to get a catchphrase going. Um, does some work and hair extensions as well because it's not as popular now but ladies used to you know gluing fake hair to your own hair to make your own hair that little bit longer it's not a deal breaker i'll, I'll admit i mean i'm, not, I'm never in a close i'm never going to, I was talking to that girl over there she's lovely she's funny we really sort of clicked i think she could be the one if only her hair was just that little bit longer oh well i guess i'll just walk away from potential happiness i'm a fucking idiot that's what happens but uh, you know, and eventually you you know you find someone, and it's you know it's just basically someone to hold your hand when you die alone. That's um, basically all you can hope for in life, because you know everyone dies alone. But you know, death is funny. Romance <laughs> and death, are my two themes for tonight. No, I do. Like, I, I think funerals are kind of funny, just because the phrases people use in funerals make no sense. You know, people come up and they're always saying those same. You know, sorry for your trouble. Oh, no trouble to me. He's the one who's dead. But. Um, <laughs> Which usually what I say in an insensitive way, but um, you know people come up and they're, they're lying in coffins, they always say that same thing, they're always looking at them and they go, God, he looks so peaceful. He just, he just looks like he's asleep. Like, that big, like, what? I mean, I don't know about you, but my nightly routine doesn't involve putting on a full suit. <laughs> three piece, you know, putting on makeup and, uh, you know, injecting myself with in embalming fluid <laughs> as I brush my teeth. <laughs> and then, you know, lying down with rosary beads. I mean, you'd be sweaty. Um, you know, that's not how I... I mean, when I die, I want, to, I want that fucking phrase to mean something. I want to be in a big fucking coffin with scatter cushions, big round job, I'm in my pyjamas, you know, my arse is kind of hanging out, I've got drool in my mouth, a couple empty Lucoset bottles, my phone's half-dead beside me, and go, his phone outlived him. How ironic, they'll say. Then people can come up and go, "Gosh, he, he looks so peaceful. He just looks like he's asleep. But um, uh, so uh, yeah, uh, love each other and in the great words of Dave Allen, may your God go with you. Hey, we're gonna talk on stage. Thanks very much.
1: Alvi Carragher was someone we weren't aware of until she was recommended to us by previous WGM guest Sarah Griffin. Alvi is an award-winning poet who delivered this incredible performance last month in Dublin. We are delighted to present to you, Alvi Carragher.
2: Um,
3: um, um, the next poem I'm going to do is called Numb, and there was loads of people that were really horrible about it on YouTube, but. I'm going to do it anyway. So. A mouldy old house party being crushed into a dustbin as he kissed me the smell of dead fish and I was thinking this is not ideal, not ideal. Kept glancing over his kisses at a girl in the corner passed out from space cakes and a dog with cross eyes I could have sworn was trying to save me. In a cold room just upstairs, my hands shivering in the new moon of a fresh year, thinking, this is not what I resolved. The burn of whiskey between us trying to mean something. And I was thinking, this is not romantic, not romantic. His hands snatching at me in darkness, the black of spiders crawling behind my eyelids, the scroll of his body pushing me backwards. And I was thinking, not here, not here but he didn't know what no means, didn't know it was a barrier I was setting up between us, that it was a wish not to wake four times from my dreams to his hands and all their nightmares. No meant that it hurt to be drowned in desire, no was the white of my mind as I shut down and off until it was all just silence, until it was all just movements, no was my eyes fixed on a ceiling crack as he moved above me, hoping it would splinter outwards and let the stars through. No is a word I've had misunderstood before by a long-term boyfriend after we first split in the back room of my mother's house, and he whispered to me the same thing, the step too far, the kind of guy that doesn't know what no means, afterwards saying we'll get married, and my heart saying no, 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 my heart screaming, baby, you don't know what you have done. And I thought it was my fault. I blame my short skirt or my big eyes, how they were asking for it under all that mascara. I've heard this same story too many times, and most days, it's not even mine. These skeletons of men that don't know what no means. And we tell each other stories about one-night stands that don't sound like one-night stands. Laugh hollow at things we don't understand, not realizing that the way you said no, it meant something, even if he never heard you, this is not our fault. No short skirt or lingerie our big eyes can speak for you, because no means no. And what about the wedge of another word beneath your tongue? Not sure if you can say it, because it belongs with strangers' faces and dark alleys and spiked drinks. Rape is a whisper from another girl, a kind of helpless stranger. I kiss both those men goodbye, because I wanted it to be more than a headache of memory, more than a dead thing sitting on my chest, more than the thought of them crisscrossed and dead-eyed above me, how it happens again and again and again more than a girl who's been fucked over and under until she can't remember if she said no, can't remember if she meant it. Thank you.
0: And you can see more of Alvie's work on her blog, alvycaraher.blogspot.com. Before we move on with the show, I'd just like to tell you about one of our other fabulous sponsors on the show here, Dungarvan Brewing Company. The Dungarvan Brewing Company was launched in April 2010 producing a range of bottle conditioned craft beers which is now expanded to include cask and keg conditioned versions. All the beers are traditionally brewed and bottled on site in Dungarvan County Waterford. Dungarvan Brewing Company beers can now be found in quality bars and restaurants throughout Ireland and in independent off-licences, O'Brien's Wines, Carriot Stores Nationwide, Fine Wines and O'Donovan's off-licences throughout Cork City and County. For more details, visit dungarvanbrewingcompany.com. Myself and Neil were both extremely excited about this next guest. His band Ash provided the soundtrack to our excruciatingly awkward journey from childhood to manhood. Add to that the fact that when I saw him one day on Wicklow Street, I made a complete arse out of myself when I went over to talk to him. So having him on our podcast now provides a chance for modest redemption. Tim Wheeler lives in New York now, but he accepted Neil's Skype call and very kindly gave us his top five tips. Neil started off by asking Tim whether he's always been a driven person.
4: Yeah, 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 I was very driven to, you know, I think I wanted to... You know, I come from came from a very sort of like middle-class Northern Irish family and I felt I had my life was scarily kind of plotted out in a way. Like, uh, you know, university and like some sort of mundane job would have been like what what would have been expected of, of me and I really wanted something very different, you know. So uh, music was a sort of escape and the, the thing that I... Uh, you know wanted to use to to find more in life so uh yeah so it was very you know myself and particularly mark our bass player in our bands you know we, we like got together when we were like 12 years old and uh got guitars for christmas and we said we're gonna get you know we're gonna like we're gonna make it but we really were like the worst band in our town <laughs> and you know all our shows were definitely like abominations <laughs> you know, for like the first three years and you know we got a lot of criticism from everyone everyone was always telling you know telling us how shit we were and stuff and uh, you know that definitely added to our drive as well it's, you know we really yeah. wanted to prove people wrong and somehow it's kind of stuck with us you know it stayed with us so so you mentioned
1: that you, you were driven and you like it, it's better to get people that are friends around you people that aren't necessarily virtuoso musicians but have the same kind of mindset
4: yeah. Do you think that changes over time? Um, yeah, well, definitely, you know, like Rick wasn't really uh, the greatest drummer in the world, but, like, he's become super dedicated about it. You know, really? he just, like, works really, really hard. You know, so, yeah, I guess, we, you know, we've all reached really good levels. Um, I don't, Yeah. know, there's, like, there's Mark, though, in our band who's still, he, if you asked him to play a, a scale on his guitar you know his bass like he doesn't really know you know he, he sort of feels his way around it you know he's not not particularly musical but he's he's like a really great rhythmic player you know and once he sort of he figures it out he gets there but he he, he has really like absolutely no interest in you know gaining any real technical <laughs> knowledge or you know he's he uses the same like equipment that he's been using like since the very beginning whereas like someone like me is like just obsessed with gear and another thing actually we're, we're sort of going into a new territory where um how restrictions can um actually define you you know in a way like <clears throat> you know marks he'll never play anything like flea or something but that's that's part of our sound you know we like all our bass lines are like very strong root note things with uh you know, he's he's kind of he's got a style, you know.
1: Yeah, it's funny how um, um, restrictions on being like not like we're not great musicians either in our band, and uh, and that's probably helped us come up with the kind of sound, whether it's good or bad, that we have because we yeah. can't play any other way. And and maybe that was the same with with you guys.
4: Absolutely, yeah. We were so relieved when like when we were beginning, we were like really into like Maiden and Megadeth and like metal stuff, <laughs> and uh, then all of a sudden Nirvana like blew up. And you know they had a real simplicity to their music, although they had like a, you know virtuoso drummer in hiding there, Dave Grohl. Um, like the main songwriting parts were like you know they were clever melodically, but musically they were simple to play, and uh, everything was in quite simple chunks. Um, so so that was like then we were able to actually do this music. You know that that kind of showed us what we could do, and uh, you know simplicity is. I think is can be a real strength in music.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and it's funny. Like your dynamic from the outside. It would seem that you know, like I, I, I think I, me- I remember you mentioning before that Mark wasn't necessarily interested in becoming a bass <sighs> god. Yeah. But um, but you mentioned. Alright, A getting friends around and B say with the likes of publishing, you know, it's important to share things equally so that everybody feels like they have a stake in, in the band, and what's going on. Yeah. Like I remember hearing of a, a band they ended up signing to Universal, but their first ever rehearsal, the lead singer said, Okay, we need to sort out what the publishing deal will be when it happens. And these guys are like sixteen or seventeen, you right. know. And, but you guys have have always had a healthy attitude to those kinds of things. It's probably why you've stayed together for so
4: long. I think so. Yeah, I think it's a secret, and yeah, because otherwise you're going to have like a lot of animosity and jealousy, and you know, whereas I think you'll all get a lot further if everyone is committed. You know, that for that person you were just describing would probably be better off being a solo artist if that's really what you know. If that's what they want, and it's going to be hard for them. You know, like it must be tough being a solo artist at at times. I think. So um, yeah, you know, I think bands are about being collective, and your your strength is in you know in having a team that you know when like because you're going to be in on tour and like some kind of rough places having had no sleep and i don't know you're, you're going to need some real morale to get you know group morale to get through some like situations or um even you know being in a band can be very financially tough or you know especially nowadays can be a real struggle so you need to you know the commitment is really important okay yeah
1: yeah yeah i, I mean that that's certainly something that that every band i know including us would struggle with it, the idea that um you know it's a completely alien life that you lead compared to all your friends and all your family it's so unreal it's a weird existence and it's very hard to justify it like essentially li- living like a, an an itinerant musician moving from place to place all the time
4: yeah that's right yeah yeah it's hard for people to understand um i think i think yeah most challenging on relationships you know that's that's the one thing i found yeah uh, especially you know if you're touring loads and loads you know, you're just not there all the time. You know, it takes it takes a hell of a lot of dedication, and you know, and giving up your time. You you know, you miss a lot <laughs> of stuff. But I don't know it's important to you know. It's exciting being on tour too, and it's you sort of have to make these sacrifices to to like achieve your dreams and get where you want to get. And I don't, yeah, I guess you have to. You know, you're your loved ones have to support that, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. And the, I suppose that the
4: other side of the coin is nobody's
1: holding a gun to your head to be a musician. Yeah. Some people,
4: it's just not for them, you know, once they sort of, you know, some people get success and are just really unhappy. you know. And, uh, you know, like you hear about people going on tour and they, like they're in some of the best cities in the world and, you know, they just sit in their hotel room and play like PlayStation. Uh, and then, okay yeah it's not for them I guess
1: like you guys have been doing it so long and I know you're in New York now so it probably creates a, a different dynamic altogether but like what has been the key to you making that sustainable for so many years like you know obviously you've had to you've had to sacrifice relationships I'm sure left right and center you missed you know I can I can only imagine weddings yeah the funerals who knows um but how yeah. have you, how have you kept that going I mean what's the thing that, that's kept you going
4: um I think we, we always find it exciting you know part of it maybe is that we started so young and you know we we're like so full of energy and thrilled like to be on stage and you know I kind of no matter how I feel during the day when I get on stage I still always feel that same buzz and you know it's like tapping into being 15 again it's weird <laughs> and I think, you know, it's important, you know, you have to set yourself challenges all the time. And I don't like it if we're just playing a set of only old stuff or, you know, because, you know, a lot of us, you know, people love to hear us playing old stuff and I, I love to play it, but it has to be a certain element of newness, you know, that you bring to things all the time. I always really admire it whenever like a a band can do it. Like, for example, you know, see see Radiohead or something and they go and do a, a set of all, virtually all new stuff from like the last, free albums you know and don't even need to like dip into their their early stuff although when they do people go absolutely berserk but you know they they still get like you know whenever you're like people are feeding off your new stuff that's really that's that's the best thing ever so you know that's that's kind of what i work towards and you know trying to like we're working on new material at the minute for next year and i'm really consciously thinking i want to i want stuff that's gonna like be as good as in the live set as the old stuff that people go crazy for. So that's my kind of, that's my dream and goal at the moment. So yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, set yourself, you need to keep setting yourself goals and challenges. Yeah. I can think of another example around that as well. We, um we did the single series a, a few years ago and we, we did like 26 singles in a year. And, you know, for, for, that was mainly a creatively driven decision to, to do that because we had uh, had, you know, we have been in this sort of album cycle for a long time and, and all you know, we're noticing the albums. Well, they were changing how people were like reacting to them. So it felt like a time to sort of try something new. But um, you know, I, but mainly I wanted to, I wanted to break away from the, the writing cycle of of albums where you would sort of get out of a way of writing for a long time. You know, you sort of make the record, release it, and go on tour for a year or a year and a half, and don't. And during that time, we normally wouldn't have time to write any songs or work on new material so i wanted to be able to like be releasing music and then feeding up people's reaction and you know while we were still releasing stuff and so you know and, and i wanted this ridiculous challenge of trying to get 26 songs i thought were single single quality or interesting and and also we were trying to make every track surprisingly you know different from the previous one so uh you know that was like an example of you know kind of ridiculous tasks that we've set ourselves just to keep things fresh and different
1: it's a brilliant idea absolutely brilliant because like nobody knows like uh, you know nobody really knows what to do now like nobody knows whether the 20th century was a was an an abnormal uh, uh, growth in in the music industry whether like albums are a real thing that humans are interested in or not you know is it just songs (laughs) should we be tied to this idea of 10 or 12 tracks on a piece of plastic
4: yeah it's crazy like i'm very i was interested in how the album like actually evolved and uh i i was staying from my my girlfriend's family there, and her stepdad had this uh he was like an old seventy eight player so he had like he had some albums but what albums were in those days was like it was like a actually was like a book like almost like a photo album where you slotted in like the say ten seventy eights and that that's why where the word album came from because you know it was like a, I guess you go buy it in sets you know and complete your sets and so uh, yeah, so it's it's quite amazing. Like I suppose this this brings me to maybe my fifth bit of advice is uh, don't expect things to stay the same. <laughs> you know, <laughs> really, um, you have to evolve and keep your ear open to to how things are changing. And you know, just uh, you know, we've seen so many formats changing constantly over the last twenty or thirty years. And our, you know, first stuff was coming out on cassettes, and the end of vinyl, and you know, CDs were starting to boom, and then. Now, you know, cassettes are kind of coming back as being a cool thing. Vinyls had a real resurgence over the last while, you know, when it was dead for a while. And So uh, as someone who doesn't really exactly know where it's going, um, there's times when you think you're cruising and have it made, but you just have to stay on your toes because it's really not going to. So one of the most boring bits of advice I ever got from a musician was from... Uh, <laughs> uh, I ran into one of the guys from Madness, and he was, you know... He, he told me like, make sure you get a pension or something like that. And uh, I thought, ah, fuck you. I'm like, things are great. (laughs) But anyway, maybe getting a pension might not have been such a good idea, but he was, uh, I don't know. He was kind of right though, that you got to like, you know, you got to be smart with your, you know, when things are going well. And I don't know, it's probably very rare, you know, the people who it always goes smoothly for.
1: Yeah. Would you think that's something that music musicians fall down on in particular, not being able to plan for the future?
4: I've, yeah, I guess yeah, because we're creative people. We're not, you know, and we also get into and are attracted, bit to music by its chaos. I think, and um, you know, the chance to chaotically express yourself. So it's a bit of a, you know, we didn't get into music to be accountants or managers, probably. But it's sort of now more than ever. I think you you have to figure out a bit of that sense. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna last, or else. Have some really rich friends, or <laughs> I don't know, or be prepared to crash on a lot of catches. You know, nowadays we have to kind of run our own business and, you know, run our label or know how to be a really good engineer or run, know how to run your website and be good at graphic design. I don't know it's, uh, you sort of have to multitask more. It used to be more, you know, you actually could make like a bit of income from records to go towards that in the old days, but it's a bit trickier. So, uh,
1: well, it's completely changed. I mean, it's... yeah. It's not, I mean, you mentioned um, you mentioned that your first stuff came out in cassette. Like I, I actually rem- remember buying. Oh yeah, as a as a teenager, and just being a cassette single. Yeah, with the, yeah. You know, the picture of the the couple holding hands. Yeah, yeah, it was really amazing. Cute. Amazing. That that was the soundtrack of. Of like my summer of being thirteen or fourteen or whatever, it was. It was. Well, thank you, Tim, for the memories. Uh, <laughs> shit, that was a, it was a fucking good time. It was great, man. Um, uh, do you mind if I just ask you one last thing before I let you oh, go? yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I it's just because I have you here, and and the advice is fantastic. But in terms of like your career to date, has there been a high point, a high point, and a low point, and what lessons would you have taken from each?
4: Um, I guess the the things to learn the most from was, uh, I think, you know, the first album, 1977, that was a great success for us. And um, I, I didn't particularly, I just kind of struggled a bit with it, you know, the some of the things that like fame through it, us like sort of being expected to be like pinup stuff or, you know, like we were like Nirvana fans. We didn't want to be in like, you know, teenage girl magazines or uh, we, we sort of had this bizarre time where we were like, uh, in karang on the cover of karang NME, and smash Hits all at the same time we we had this like really wide wide thing and, and some of the things were like really uncomfortable like you know the like being in sugar magazine and shit like that so <laughs> which uh, i don't yeah so i kind of I, I think it was all you know it was all happened very fast and you know but it was like then we followed that up like we really kicked against that and we had a I had a I had a bit of a, like writer's block and struggle um, because I think I was you know I knew something had to change or had to get some sort of form of control back on it, so we made like quite a dark second record and and then you know, when we were like realized that our career could be over at that point that was you know that was very hard because- you know was
1: that a was that a concern at the time that your career would be over?
4: oh yeah, yeah, definitely, I think we were like nineteen or you know twenty, and um just all the bands around us were getting dropped and you know, bands who sort of exploded around the time of Britpop. It was like a it was a very short lived thing and people were going out of fashion really quickly. So, and then, you know, back then, if you got dropped by your label, that was like a huge stigma, you know? Like nowadays, like people sometimes were very grateful to be dropped from their labels and, you know, did their own thing. But it's at the time that was just like, oh, I don't know. I think we would come up so quickly that we thought, and we went kind of down so quickly. We were, uh, uh, you know, there's a good chance it could have been over. So,
1: you know, that's nuclear sounds,
4: right? Yeah, yeah, that's
1: right, yeah. And you, you write this, the main song that's used on A Life Less Ordinary, which was huge and like an incredible yeah. tune around the same time, right? Yeah. That... I, you wouldn't have known from the outside that you were fighting for your careers.
4: <laughs> yeah, actually, well, it was more like, yeah, like that was kind of a stopgap between them. And but that, that song was actually a real struggle for me to write. But, uh, that, that sort of like did well and kept things going but then when we did nuclear sands that was a really struggled to write it and um but when, when it came out the reaction yeah reaction was actually decent but it just didn't sell and uh, you know that's when our our label you know was sort of getting heavy with us and shit like that so you know and our manager he was our manager was a real scaremonger as well <laughs> so it kind of worked like we you know we knuckled down and 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 really wrote hard you know I concentrated so much on the songs for Free Angels and Shining Light and stuff like that came out out of that. But uh, but I I think the thing I learned was you know how quickly it could all have gone away, and I was determined to enjoy it if we ever had success again. And then we did on the third album, and you know I really like had a good time, and you know I, I realized that I didn't want to throw it all away. Or yeah, uh, so yeah, it's that was sort of a an important learning learning curve, and and that was like. That was another thing we got through together as a band, and that gave us like I think that gave us strength to continue. Yeah, anytime there's like a sort of we get panicky about something or things are are tough, you know, we can we sort of have that basis of having got through like a really monumentally kind of difficult time. Like we were one of not many of our contemporaries from the time sort of managed to uh, sort of survive you know, falling off uh, of like, you know, that kind of that music scene at the time. So, and I think that sort of set us up for the future. And and, uh, So. God, Tim, that's great. I
1: I found that really interesting because like, I I honestly can't believe, I wouldn't have known that you found A Life Less Ordinary a struggle because it seems like such a natural art (laughs) song. It's brilliant. It's like, it's, it's pop rock it's it's classic you know that that particular era of the band is that classic ash sound I never knew that you struggled so much at that time
4: I, uh, yeah yeah had a nightmare like I, um they sent the script to and I was sort of trying to get ideas from that to write but I sort of realized it was a bit of a generic love love uh film and <clears throat> yeah I don't think I really took anything lyrically from it uh and um but yeah it was just I hadn't written a song for a year and a half we'd been on this crazy ride and uh I'd, I'd been under so much pressure to write like a lot of 1977 because like we had we sort of had i we were like kung fu girl from mars and angel interceptor had all been singles and then we had to had to write the rest of the album knowing that i needed like hits to kind of equal those so look came up with goldfinger and oh yeah um but by the time like I got to the end of the album, I was like burned out, and <clears throat> it was uh, I think yeah, just the pressure was monumental to to follow stuff up, and uh, I, I think I, I wrote, I stayed up for like nights trying to write, trying to write, and then like, I, I took some ecstasy and wrote the the, the verse. There's <laughs> some bad drug stories here, and then um, for a life less ordinary. Yeah, yeah, I was, and then I was like, yeah, this I don't encourage it, like you know, it's because you. And then, of course, like I, I think I got this kind of good verse. I was reading this book called *The White Goddess*, this Robert Graves book about like inspiration and the muse. With you know, which I never actually finished, but it was like I liked the idea of it. Which so that's kind of what I was writing a song about. You know, trying to find like my muse again. And uh, then I was like, but then I think I started coming down off like the ecstasy, and I couldn't write anymore. And so I was like trying to trying to write. And then, then we like, I went off to this cottage in the countryside, and like, uh, where the fuck was it? It was like Sussex or something like. And um, I locked myself there for four days. And uh, <laughs> the last night, I took like, uh, I took some other substances, and uh, the the chorus finally like came to me, and I was like, like fuck for that. <laughs> and then we then we like demoed it like twice with like two really different versions, and then. Uh, yeah, we recorded one version with um, the film producer Tim Simonon from Bomb the Bass, and he got like sacked from the from the film. So then we had to did Charlotte join the band, and we did a whole separate recording with Arthur Baker, and, and uh, he had the idea of like adding the, adding re adding the chorus at the end, which was you know a simple and good arrangement move, but kind of transformed the song. And yeah, but yeah, it took forever. It was a fucking
1: nightmare. Holy shit. <laughs> You've, seen, you've painted this narrative in my head, this like young, successful songwriter who's been put in a cottage, fed full of, full of drugs to write a song
4: for yeah. a big Hollywood yeah. film. Yeah, it was absolutely nuts. Uh, and then, yeah, so and then when it sort of it came out, I was, I think I've been so hard to write. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't think it was any good for a while, but. It's turned out to be, you know, a real fan favorite, and it's a great. So it's endured, you know, and yeah, I love playing it live. So, so yeah, it can be, can be tough sometimes. I think, yeah, probably, probably the main difficulty is the pressure, and it's good, good to get away from pressure.
1: Do, do you think that uh, if you like, you so you got nuclear sounds out of the way, then you felt less pressure to do free all angels, or
4: do you feel that your mind was just clearer? Uh. I felt like yeah i felt we sort of pr- proved we sort of reset things and you know we weren't expected to be uh pop pinups anymore you know we kind of you know sort of do our own thing a bit more whatever we wanted but i did i was conscious that i needed like this the songs of a strength that people could really grab onto like the first album so uh yeah i knew i needed you i knew i needed hit so we were in trouble. So. <laughs> yeah you know stuff that we would like work in radio and and uh yeah but, yeah luckily we, we got them but yeah I, I, I went a bit monkish then again I went back to my mum and dad's and spent like well it was most of a year I think I was kind of just hanging out there like writing that record so uh, I, I I'd do things like a Joe Strummer came t- to Belfast and asked me to like play I fought the law with him and I, I I stayed home and wrote because I was like, "No, I'm writing. I can't go out." What? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so I get very dedicated and muckish sometimes, and like, re- really, you know, regret some things I regret turning down. But hey, we, it's a it's a classic album, though. <laughs> that, that that's all
1: absolutely. F- that's so interesting. I like. I know you. The World Cup's on and stuff, so I, I won't keep you. Oh, um, uh, yeah. But I, I really really appreciate it. Is there is there anything in particular you want to leave
4: the interview with? um uh, well actually i've got one little thing i've started doing recently which i'll throw out there for for songwriters um uh, the singer from the vaccines justin told me about this thing he invited me to do a a 20 song challenge with him one day where you like try to write 20 songs in 12 hours and then you know separately and then you get together and like play what you've done Uh, it's sort of like a mind cleansing exercise and i've got really into it it's 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 nice to do because you sort of when you're playing back your stuff for The stuff you're so embarrassed about, and but it's nice to actually share the songwriting process with someone else, you know, and talk, you know, you know, even even doing with friends who, who, uh you know, are some more more amateur or whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. It's like just nice to share this songwriting thing because it's such a misunderstood and clandestine art.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So uh, even amongst musicians, you don't know what other people do or how they do what they
4: do. Yeah. Yeah, so and it's cool because you you have to record really stripped down versions of a song, and you sort of you, you sort of get a glimpse of people's working methods and uh, their idiosyncrasies, and it sort of can show you give you ideas for what to do. So, but I, the thing with me though, I can never get the full twenty songs because I'm I'm very laborious over lyrics. So I've I've managed to get like I think the most I got was nine one day, but I've got like great stuff out of I've, you know I sort of do it every now and again and. Uh, it helps take the pressure off writing when you're sort of, or when you've been out of writing way for a while. So it's it's a good little marathon to kind of kickstart your creativity.
1: That's, oh man. And, Tim, and look, I, I can't say how grateful we are. Like, we're both massive fans, absolutely uh, massive fans. And whether you realize it or not, you've been a big part of our uh, adolescence and adult life.
4: Oh man, thank you so much. And a uh, big, big fan of you guys as well. Oh, thanks.
1: thanks. So I'm going to hear.
4: What's the cr- Oh yeah, yeah, sure hit stop
1: Yeah, I'm going to hit stop now and we can talk about like really rude stuff
0: That's it for this week's show Thank you for subscribing, downloading and or streaming If you've enjoyed episodes 1-10 to 10, please don't forget to give us a rating, comment and or recommendation to a pal If you've got a business and you'd like to sponsor the
1: podcast, drop us an email on theweeklygm at gmail.com for more details
0: Thanks to our guests this week, Alvy Carraher Edwin Salmon and the mighty Tim Wheeler Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, at and slash The Weekly GM. We'll be back next week with a new show.
2: Chat to you then.